0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to episode number 3A. On today's episode, we are joined by Matarima Sapati, and we talk about India and Indian culture. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and this is CulturePology. Welcome to episode number three. We are with Maddie today. She is our guest, and we are going to be talking about the culture there in India and Indian culture. Uh, Maddie, do you want to say hi to everyone?
1: Hey, everyone. So I'm Madhuri Masapati, a.k.a. Maddie, and um, I'm the host of Souls Conquest, the Souls Conquest. And, yeah, I came across a post on Facebook talking about the culture of apology. Um podcast and yeah I wanted to reach out and it felt like a really interesting thing to do so here we are
0: yeah we 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 are it was uh it was nice getting that message saying that you wanted to be on the show and talk about the Indian culture and that was fantastic for me so
1: yeah
0: um let's give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself where where are you from you know India is quite a big place, so where in India are you from?
1: yeah. So I was born and brought up in Nagpur, which is in Maharashtra. But right now I'm living in Hyderabad, which is in the southern India. And it's in a place, it's in a state called Telangana. So yeah, I'm living here right now.
0: Oh, okay. And, did you, and you, have you lived there most of your life?
1: Um, no, like, so we have shifted around quite a lot. And uh, but like we have mostly shifted between the two states, uh, Maharashtra and Karnataka. Uh, not Karnataka, I'm sorry, Maharashtra and Hyderabad. Karnataka is where I went for my um, university. Oh, my okay. Education. Oh, <laughs> yeah. great.
0: Uh, uh, awesome. So, how is it yeah. living? Um, and you said you're in the south of India.
1: Yeah. How does that yeah. differ
0: from maybe the northern part of India?
1: Sure. So, uh, like, the one thing that I feel like, you know, everyone needs to know is that India as a place, it's a very diverse place. And, like, we have this saying, okay, that after every 100 kilometers or so, the things change, the culture and the traditions change. Um. So, yeah, like, you know, there's a lot of variation when it comes to the northern part of India and southern part of India. And then there's the East India and then the West India. Mm-hmm. So... I can't really say exactly what um, you know. What is the main differentiating factor? Um, yeah, there's there's no such you know there's not like a very there's no, there's not a place like it's not something that you can differentiate a lot on because every single space has its own um, cultures and traditions so. Yeah, I think right. the food is different. I think that's one thing that I can, um, you know, think of from the top of my mind is that um, the Northern food, it's uh, the North Indian food is really rich with a lot of um, use of ghee and butter and, mm. you know, it's like rich, rich food. But then when you come to South India, there's a lot of spices involved. Mm-hmm. I think that's one differentiating factor <laughs> that I can think of. But yeah. yeah, as I said, you know, it's... um. I feel like India is a culmination of a lot of different cultures and traditions. Right. So every place has its own very significant um, kind of, you know. Right. It, it has its own um, thing, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of here, like here in the United States, where depending on what part yep. of the states you're in, you know, there's there's heavy influence from other cultures in that, that particular part of yeah. the country so and, and like you said the, yep. the food uh, from northern India to southern India you said that varies same thing here in the United States where yeah. you know west coast food and east coast food vary greatly in in the influence that that plays into them now, I know with uh, Indian food um, it's a lot spicier than um, we mm-hmm. have here in the United States I've had some Indian food in it. yeah. <laughs> it's very, It's very, yes. very, very spicy.
1: Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, but you know, there is this one thing that, you know, like, uh, I think that people think that Indian food is all about the spice. But there is, like, all kinds of food. Like, so if you go into um, Calcutta, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, like, uh, which is on the east side of India, the eastern India, you find that the food there is. Like, you know, it has a sweeter touch to it. And then when you come to the Western India, there's like a lot of uh, meat and stuff like that. And when you come to Southern India, it gets really spicy. Mm -hmm. So like if you come to Andhra or Telangana, the place that where I'm from, like if you come here and you taste the food here, it's really spicy. Like our spice tolerance is through the the roof kind (laughs) of a thing. But again, if you go to Northern India, there's not like, you know, people don't really, um, they're more more into the tangy kind of a thing also. Mm. Like if you talk about it, like Northern India, I feel like a lot of people can't tolerate the spice as much as um, Southern India people do. That's just my uh, right. perspective over, about food. But yeah. yeah.
0: That's, that's interesting because <laughs> I know uh, here in the States, when we talk about Indian food, it's always uh, spicy. But it's interesting that if you go into the north, they they tolerate the spiciness of the food as much as in the south. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, most definitely.
0: (laughs) So what what are some of the languages that are spoken in India?
1: Oh, wow. That's a really good question. And, um, you know, there's like a really huge number to it. And I don't remember the number, but like we have so many different languages. So uh, one thing is that we have the mother language, which is Sanskrit, Mm -hmm. which was kind of, um, you know, during the Vedic civilization and stuff like that, that was the language that was spoken a lot. That is the language of the gods. Mm -hmm. According to our culture, that's the language of the gods. That's the mother language. And basically, when you learn Sanskrit, you can kind of understand most of the languages is what we have a saying that, you know, once you learn Sanskrit, you can understand most of the languages. And um, so, you know, the thing that happens is every state has its own language, but when you break down the states, again, there is like sub-languages, sub-dialects. There, um, it, it completely differs, you know, to be honest. There are so many languages, but one thing that I can say for sure is that, like as an Indian, what we are known for is that we are multilingual. Mm -hmm. like you know (laughs) that's one thing that um, I often find amusing that whenever I talk to friends in US or Canada they're all like yeah we can speak English and then we can speak Spanish and then they ask me how many languages you can speak and I'm like okay so I can speak Hindi, Marathi, Bengali, English, Sanskrit, (laughs) Telugu and then I can speak a little bit of Canada I can speak this that and they're just like oh my god can you just stop like (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, there are like, <laughs> there are, there are like common languages, there are dialects that you can really understand, but then when it comes down to the different regions
0: mm-hmm. of the
1: different um, states and the, um, like, you know, in the villages and stuff, then they have their own special languages. They have like a dialect, they have an accent, they have specific words that we wouldn't use, kind right. of a thing. So yeah, yeah it differs
0: from place to place. I, I think that's a little similar to here in the United States where... You know, uh, in Southern California, we have a particular way we speak and, you know, yeah. it's all English, but then if you go to say Louisiana, you have other influences and to us, they would have an accent and they use words that we don't use. And if you go to say New York or Chicago or uh, Montana or something like that, where you would get. different dialects of English and the accents and words that you're not used to hearing or using. Yeah. I think that's a bit similar.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's my point. Yeah. So yeah, we have a lot of languages. I don't really remember the number of it because I'm bad with numbers. So
0: (laughs) yeah, just there's, there's, there's quite a few. And so they all, they all come from one main language, correct?
1: yes yeah so the mother language is Sanskrit and then you know that's the language that like if you read our slokas our vedas our puranas uh, all these things like when you read it you can understand it like to a level Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: Sanskrit was the main language that was used and then again it was kind of you know um, it was written so that normal people could understand it too Right. so it was written a bit with a um, yeah, with, uh, you know, influence of the local language as well. But like if you read the original Vedas and everything is written in pure mm-hmm. Sanskrit.
0: And and I find that really fascinating yeah. because you said that it's the, the language of the gods, the language of the yeah. Indian gods. And I, I find that really fascinating mm-hmm. because, you know, that, that language has been around for
1: a very yeah, a long time. Dollars.
0: Right, and it's yeah. still being you yeah. know it's been passed down and spoken still today, and you know it's it's yeah. really fascinating that you know you guys can read it and write it and yeah. speak it still to this day. Yes, there's some new dialects and, and variations of it, but it's it's very interesting that that yeah one of those original languages there is still being spoken. Yeah,
1: so it's kind of like you know it's like a. Compl- language that you have to learn when you're like in school Mm -hmm. like not not a lot of people do follow it after you know education after our education but people who are interested kind of like i feel like sanskrit is kind of like latin Mm -hmm. like you know how latin from latin we derive italian spanish and
0: right
1: and all those things yeah so it's kind of like that that is something that i think i correlate in terms of latin and sanskrit yeah
0: Hmm, that, that's really interesting. Um, so yeah. obviously language is very important in the culture. Uh, you know, like yep. you said, it's, it's the language of the gods. Let's talk about them a little bit, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the religions and this just the spirituality in general of India. Yeah. You know, because yeah. there's, there's so many different religions and not they necessarily, them, yeah. you know, there's, there's religion and there's spirituality, can
1: you tell us yeah. a little bit about that? Sure. So like you know, I feel like as an Indian we have um, we have different religions but we have the main things like Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism. These are some of the um, religions that kind of originated in India and then spread through throughout the world. Yes. And like even in terms of religion again, as I was saying, like, you know, it's a very diversified so when you think of Hinduism, you think of one religion, but then again, when you go into the different states and def- into the different localities, there is a uh, there is a own twist that people put into that. Mm-hmm. So like um, like the main thought process, the main uh, foundation of the religion mm-hmm. is um, the same throughout India. Like if you follow a particular religion, but uh, you know when you go into different places again it differs and when it comes to um spirituality i think again i feel like it's something that kind of originated from india i don't want to be um you know the person who is like yeah it has originated from india because i'm not really sure about its origin right. but <laughs> but i do feel like it originated from india because we have yoga here and um
0: uh, and i do so i it, do believe that yoga did originate in india and then spread throughout the world
1: um yeah i i do but then again it's my perspective like if someone wants Mm -hmm. out there wants to correct me like please do so but like according to my basic knowledge i do feel like yoga originated from india because um that was something that you know that's spoken about in our scriptures that all the sadhus, all the gurus, all the teachers, like basically the teachers who used to teach uh, the kings and the, uh, you know, the kshatriyas, the warriors and all, all Mm -hmm. these people practiced yoga. They practiced meditation. They practiced spirituality. So when you, when you see the teachings of um, a particular teacher or a guru to their disciples, they they are not only thought in you know like warfare strategy and stuff like that. There's also thought in terms of spirituality. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like you know it has originated from India. But then again, you know like if someone out there has a different perspective, and would love to correct me, <laughs> I'm always available because I love hearing different opinions and different origin stories. Like that's something that I think both you right. and I have in common. So yeah, yeah,
0: and it's it's interesting <laughs> how. It's, it's kind of taken on, you know, yoga and meditation and spirituality Mm -hmm. has taken on and really gone throughout the entire world to, you know, uh, you have all types of different yoga here and, you know, people do the yoga, but they don't, I don't think they understand where, where it originated from. Like you were saying, you know, you had your gurus that, that taught, you know, warriors and all these things, not just how to, to fight. But also to yeah. you know have like an inner peace with with meditation and
1: you know exactly. yoga
0: and and things like that. And so it's really interesting to see where it came from and you know kind of yeah. spread certain things spread throughout the world, where people may not really know that it came yeah. from a certain area.
1: For sure, and like you know, um, I would love to add a bit more about spirituality because I like as a soul coach that's something that I speak about a lot and. You know, I feel like spirituality is something that is, um, you know, as much as it is an external experience, it is also an inner experience, Mm -hmm. like an internal experience. And that's the very first step I feel in spirituality that people need to understand is that you need to have inner peace, you need to, and, um, you know, it needs to be something where you are rooted. And that's something that yoga teaches a lot is that how to feel grounded in that current moment. Because when you're doing all the different asanas and stuff like that, you are completely aware of how your body moves, how every breath feels. And that's, I think, that is why yoga and spirituality is so closely linked together because it helps you feel grounded in the present rather than, you know, your mind wandering to the past or to the future you're in the present feeling how your body moves and how every single thing is like, you know, you feel grounded in the present. Right. So, yeah, that's something yeah. that I wanted to add into it. Yeah,
0: yeah no, I, I, have done yoga here and there and you're right. You know, it, it when you're doing the different poses, you have to breathe and that breathing kind of grounds you and it focuses you. So I, I, I mm-hmm. completely understand when you say, you know, yoga and spirituality kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. So, you know, and and kind of speaking of that, you know, you said there's, you know, a couple different religions, Um, you know, I would love to talk about the, you know, the, the overall gods of some of these religions, because, you know, like you said, the, the, the the language is still spoken today.
1: Yeah. So, um, like, would you like to specifically talk about, um, like you know, which religion would you love to talk about? In um, the focus, kind of a thing. I
0: mean, we can talk about Hinduism first. I, you know, that one.
1: Sure, sure. So uh, yeah, that works perfectly. And um, Hinduism, basically, like we have our three gods, and um, this is something like I'm a mythology nerd. I feel, and this is something that I've seen when I look into the mythology of um, Greek, uh, Greece, or you know, Rome and stuff like that. Mm. That you have the three main gods. That's So, like, you have um, Vishnu. So, our main god is Vishnu, Shiva, and Brahma. So, these are our three... Um, they are the three original gods, so as to say. Mm-hmm. And from them came the other gods. So, for us, Shiva is someone who is the destroyer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, he is the destroyer of realms and um Vishnu is someone who is kind of like um he is the creator but he is also the observer and then Brahma is someone who who you know passes their um, their knowledge their uh, they observe and they learn and they teach and that's something that we have like the three main gods and Again, like my my mythology about India is not that great, <laughs> but yeah, that's the that's the three main gods that we have as such, and um, so you know we have this thing that uh, Vishnu he has he has taken ten of thars, ten of thars as you know we have the three gods,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, yeah, like every single time there is something that happened that was like really evil, that was tormenting humans and Mother Earth alike. Vishnu took a roop or um, he took an avatar and he came and he got rid of that evil. And that's, um, that's basically what our stories and mythology revolves around, the fact that, you know, so we have Krishna, we have Ram, Lord Ram, and we have all these people who have taken human form to get rid of the evil. Mm-hmm. so yeah, i would i would love I, to
0: hear more about them you know more about uh yeah you know some of the other gods you know uh like you say krishna and ram uh, you know yeah i would love to hear more about about that you know I, sure. I love mythology of yeah. you know different cultures in it, and that's one of the things that excite me most about for cultures sure. are, are the mythology
1: for sure so we have like uh, from, I think from the 10 avatars that Vishnu has taken, I think Lord Rama and Lord Krishna are the two really famous avatars mm-hmm. because of its widespread knowledge and like, you know, the widespread um, information about them, basically. So if we go ahead with Rama, Lord Rama, who came before Lord Krishna, so he was come on earth to get rid of Ravan and uh, Ravan was from Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was, uh, from, he was like a descendant from the demon side of the people. And, okay, so there is this really interesting story that I wanted to add here. Okay. Is that according to our scriptures, both the lords and the demons, so gods and demons come from one family, like, you know, it's from one family and then okay. there are two people. Yeah, so they kind of come from the same kind of a thing, and I find that really uh, significant in terms of the fact that you know we have both good and evil within us, and it depends on who we want to cherish more, mm-hmm. and how um, well of a balance we want to create. Is um, you know that that kind of matters in real life. So it's not like everyone is born evil or everyone is born right. good. It it's upon us to do that. So. Yeah, that's one thing that I really love about our scriptures. So, yeah, so uh, Ravan was wreaking havoc um, on, um, you know, he had kind of taken charge of uh, the hell. He had kind of taken charge of earth, and he was about to take charge of heaven. Okay. So, God begged Vishnu to take uh, Avatar to come and get rid of Ravan. So, he takes the form of Ram, comes here, and... Um, The way his interaction happens is really unique because what happens is Ram was the eldest of the four sons that Dashrath has, King Dashrath has, and he was the crown prince, basically. And um, so, one of the, like, you know, one of the, the king has three wives.
0: Okay.
1: And one of the wives was kind of pissed about the fact that like, you know, she, she was like a really good woman, mm-hmm. but she was kind of manipulated for like a very short time to think that, you know, her son should be the one who should get the throne rather than Ram. And she was one of the persons who loved Ram the most, but <laughs> she wanted her son to get the throne. So they banished Ram from oh. the kingdom for 12 years. I think I got that right. So, for 12 (laughs) years, they banished Ram from the kingdom. And Ram is followed by his wife and his other brother, Lakshman. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, Ravan... uh, Like, you know... So, there's again another whole story that Ravan's sister goes to the forest where Ram and Lakshman and Sita were living. And uh, she falls in love with Ram. And she goes and she asks him to marry him. But he's like, I already have a wife. Go to Lakshman, and then they have this kind of like a back and forth kind of a thing. And she gets pissed and she goes to attack Sita because she thinks that she is the core of all the problems. Here. Uh. Because if Sita wasn't there, then um, mm-hmm. she would get to marry Ram. So she goes to attack Sita, but then um, Lakshman chops off her nose. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, in that disgrace, she goes to her brother and What she does is a really clever thing. She goes and she tells him that... I wanted to get Sita for you... Because she was really beautiful... And I thought that she would make... You know... The perfect bride for you kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So... Then a whole another thing happens... And Ravan comes to abduct Sita. And... uh, At that point of time... You know like... Sita had actually seen a golden deer. So... She had never asked for anything from Ram as such... And this was the first time that she was like really, you know, kind of, um, she was kind of fixated on the deer for some reason. So, she asks Ram to get the deer for her. And so, he follows the deer to hunt it down. But then they hear cries of Ram, but it was just an illusion. Ah. Uh, but they don't know that. So, yeah. that then sends Lakshman to be like, no, your brother is in trouble, please go help him out and he goes and at that point of time when she is basically um, defenseless Ravan takes the rope of uh, he takes avatar of someone who's come to you know beg for food like so yeah so it's a whole thing and then right. he basically abducts her he oh, takes wow. her to Lanka yeah he takes her to Lanka and uh, so then Ram has to fight to bring Sita back from Ravan Hmm. and then he has a whole entire monkey army basically Mm -hmm. and uh, they cross from India to Sri Lanka there was no bridge as such at that point of time okay so what the monkeys did was they took huge rocks carved Sri Ram on it and they put it in the sea and it floated oh wow yeah, and then they cross the the entire army crossed from India to Sri Lanka, and there is a few of these rocks are still present in India. I think it is in uh, Varanasi or some place like that. But you can still oh, see really? these rocks, and they are still floating. Oh like wow! People, yeah, people are still astonished by it. That's so, amazing. Yeah, exactly. So that's such a cultural listing, I feel, and then you know Ram. Goes, they have a war, and then Sita is worn back. So that's basically Ramayana. That's that's the entire story. There mm-hmm. is again, like, you know, you go into their family, what happens next, and stuff like that. Right. So it's a whole.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could probably <laughs> talk for hours and hours. For and days. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, when it comes to Lord Krishna, so uh, Lord Krishna was born after Lord Rama to. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of uh, defeat kuns Okay. Yeah, and uh, his story starts from there. And then he becomes like a very strategic point uh, in the Mahabharata or Mahabharata, where you have like this huge uh, war between, uh, you know, brothers over a kingdom. Mm-hmm. That kind of, uh, you know... That battle ranged for somewhere around 18 to 21 days, but the entire country was involved in the oh, war. Oh, wow. Basically, yeah. And from, during that war, you know, we have Bhagavad Gita, the holy scripture,
0: mm-hmm.
1: our holy scripture. So, in that, there is this one thing that Arjuna Krishna doesn't fight in the war.
0: Okay. Because
1: people were like, if you fight, then obviously you will win this war because you are a god and we are just humans. Right. So... He becomes the charioteer. He drives the chariot of Arjuna in the war. And Arjun comes to a very, um, you know, he comes to a point where he's like, I can't fight this war because these people are my family. How can I kill family and how would that be right? So then Krishna goes ahead and he tells him a lot of things. Basically, he teaches him right. everything about life. And that teaching, those teachings were written down in the Bhagavad Gita.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, and they, they still astonish me. Like, I still go back to read the Bhagavad Gita because um, I feel like, you know, every shloka that is there, a shloka is kind of like a two-verse thing, uh-huh. two, words, two lines kind of a thing. And every shloka that you read there, it has its own significance at different points of your life. Uh-huh. So, like, in... In my current point of time, I would read it and I would perceive it in a different way than I would when I was a child. Right. Because I have had the experience to understand what they meant. Right now, like you know, over right. the years I have learned and I've gained the experience to understand it differently. Right. So yeah, it's a beautiful. Speech.
0: Yeah. I- yeah reading it from a child to an adult it it, it over time changes because you've you know had life experience and you you mm-hmm. need more knowledge and experience yeah. and you know all these different these different factors where you read something when you're younger and you read something when you're older it then changes the yeah, exactly. what you're getting out of it so that's really yeah. interesting
1: yeah i actually use a few of the teachings in um, my soul coach thing so like on my um, Instagram page and on my podcast I've spoken a bit about it because I feel like you know there are some things that you know things that are obvious but you don't realize it until someone comes taps you on the shoulder and tells you about it and then suddenly you're like oh my god this was right in front of our faces so (laughs) yeah (laughs) I feel like yeah I feel like you know some some values some slokas are there that you know that's that just kind of shake our world and bring everything into perspective. Mm
0: -hmm. So what what are what are some of them? Can you give me any off of the top of your head?
1: Mm. <sighs> okay, so uh, one like I, if you want, I can read it off the phone the Sanskrit scripture, but I'll tell you the basic meaning behind it. If you would like, which one would you like yeah. better? Like,
0: no, no, you can give me your version, your your what you want,
1: because uh, it's a very beautiful um, this thing. Okay, no, never mind. It's a bit too long there are, there are like five, six slokas and I don't oh, wow. think I'll be able to recite all of them properly. Yeah. Um, so, okay. uh, so, there is this one thing that the soul never dies. It basically goes from one body to another. And according to Lord Krishna, he tells that, you know, when Arjun was worried about killing these people, he told him that, see, you might be killing the mortal body, but the soul still lives and the soul is something that is indestructible so you can't burn it you can't drown it um it doesn't extinguish it's something that always lives Mm -hmm. and it moves from one body to another and uh, yeah you know it's it's something that i felt as a person as a soul coach was really important for me because i have witnessed death first hand and you know there was always this question of uh, okay so what happens next what's you know what right. after this
0: yeah
1: and uh, that's that's a question that I think a lot of us are plagued by but then this line kind of you know I don't know I could really connect with it so I felt really uh, happy about the fact that this is not the end like we get to be reborn again right and what matters are our experiences in life, you know, like how much have you experienced? How much have you learned from this current situation in life? So I think that's what matters. And yeah. So as I said, you know, like earlier when I would have read this um, line, it would have sounded bogus and it would have sounded like, uh, (laughs) who cares? And then, you know, there's a turning point in your life and then you're just like, okay. Yeah,
0: Yeah. And I'm sure that plays into Indian culture as a whole where, you know, it's, you know, all throughout India and, you know, you have the younger generation and then as they get older, they start to realize, you know, some of, you know, and it's just like that over all over the world where you realize the people that are older, they were, oh yeah, you know, and they may, they may have been right with what they were telling
1: you. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly.
0: So how does, how does religion and, and spirituality come in through marriage and some of the family structure?
1: Okay, so, like, you know, I could tell you about the family. One thing that India is about that, you know, I feel like the Western culture would disapprove or would be kind of astonished by is that, you know, like, we live, you know, we have a very joint family kind of a structure. So, mm-hmm. here the kids don't move out after 21. Like, we don't have things like that. I am 24 and I'm still living with my mom and my brother and that's normal. That's, mm-hmm. um... That's not something to be astonished at. Like if you were to move out, that would be something to be astonished. Yeah, you know, I
0: I, I read that, you know, the family structure there is you have multiple generations that live together, you know, from, you know, uh, a great grandmother to a grandmother to your mother, to you, to maybe a child all living in the same household, you know, and that's... that's, We have a... yeah. That's, that's a we, lot we, different than in some of the Western cultures where, like you said, right. you're 21 and you move out.
1: Yeah, that's... So, like, as a family, like, our family, you do have the option of, you know, like, when you're starting out a new family, you can move into a different house and start anew and things like that. But we have both kind of structures. We have the joint family structure where, you know, generations upon generations are living together and... We have, like, you know, where as a family, you can just start anew. And that's was something that my dad did. But, like, we still used to have our grandparents visiting all the time. We used to go there. Mm-hmm. We used to go to our grandparents' house and we used to live there. So, yeah, like, that's something that I feel like, um, you know, in the Indian culture, we have that a lot, that we live together. Mm-hmm. So... It is like, you know, as a parent, you want to provide your child with everything for as long as possible. Right. It's, it's not necessarily helicopter parenting kind of a thing that, you know, like, yeah.
0: No, I wouldn't think it would be helicopter parenting, but more of a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a dynamic family structure where you have multiple generations living together, cooking together, you know, um, worshiping together and those sorts of things. And, And so that's, that's really fascinating to me where, you know, here you, you move out, you're 18, you're 21, you move out, you go get your own apartment away from your family or you go off to college and you live there. And, and so that's really fascinating to, to see the difference in the family structure and dynamics.
1: For sure. And I think like, you know, like every place has its own, uh, this thing, like, you know, for, The Western country, that would have been something that was normalized for us. This is something that was normalized right right from the bat. Like, you know, families living together was the norm. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, I feel like in terms of marriage, like, you know, when you're getting married, you know, people think Indians are really superstitious. Like, to a point that, you know, we kind of create more damage than we create... Um, (laughs) Uh, solutions but i have seen that you know like i used to think that to be completely Mm -hmm. honest i used to think that you know there's a limit to how much superstitions you want to believe in but then when you grow older you learn things from the science perspective you know Mm -hmm. and that's something that's important that i feel that as a kid you need to leave these things behind and then when you learn the science behind it mm-hmm. then when then the things click you know like if you just carry forward all those um things like all the superstitions so like you know drinking haldi Dood. haldi Dood is basically turmeric and milk that's uh-huh. kind of something that we drink a lot and we use a lot of spices in our daily life and we have this thing uh, so in our house for like for the past 4 to 5 years we have this habit of After we are done with our puja or -hmm. our worship, our daily worship, we burn bay leaves and we spread that smoke all around the house. Oh, wow. Basically, yeah. And it's such a beautiful thing. And, you know, like that's something that we do every time we are stressed or every time things are not working out and we are in a panic kind of a mood. That kind of a small thing. That's something that, you know, really relieves us. And then later, I learned that burning bay leaves it kind of releases the same chemicals that using lavender oil would, mm-hmm. like you know how it reduces stress and things right. like that. And it's suddenly like boom! <laughs> I never knew like the reason behind it, but yeah. Right. So we we do have like as uh you know in terms of our religion and in terms of spirituality, there's a lot of things that we do without understanding the meaning behind, and then we do with understanding the meaning. Right. Behind
0: it. And I think that's, that, that, goes to say, you know, a lot of cultures do the same thing where, you know, they've been doing yeah. it and doing it for so long that it's just something that they do. And then maybe one day they learn, this is the reason why. And it's like, Oh wow. You know, it's really, yeah. it's really interesting to find, you know, why we do things the way that we do. You know, right. especially when it's been passed down from generation to generation, and you know, over time, right. where you know, two hundred years ago they may not have had that information, but they knew exactly what it did. And yeah. now, with with a little bit more information, you're like, wow, you know, they were that was it's really smart.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that kind of realizations tend to happen a lot these days for me because I tend to look more into the science side of it while you know like understanding the reason behind uh, things so we we do a lot of things where uh, this is again something that we do at our house where we uh, we have this thing okay so how do i explain it so in our house especially for my mom and me we have this issue that every time there's a full moon or there is a no moon day kind of a thing new moon day kind of a thing we kind of fall sick and we never understood the reason behind it. And then later on, you know, like, eventually we kind of figured out that it was because of the tides and, you know, the how the moon affects a woman's right. body and stuff like that. So, you know, we have a lot of things that we look at differently when we understand the science, but we also know that this is something that happens a lot. We don't mm-hmm. know the reason behind it. So I think spirituality and science and religion kind of act like the little nudges towards the truth kind of a thing. They right. kind of nudge slowly towards the truth. And then, you know, when you see the big picture, you right. see the big picture.
0: Yeah. So yeah. W- in terms of marriage, how, how does marriage work in India? Because I, if if I'm not mistaken, it is different than what we would see in, say, some of the Western cultures.
1: So, like, what aspect of marriage would you be talking
0: in, in, about? In general, you know, I I know that um, you know arranged marriages were was something that happened quite a bit in India, and I know that s- recently, you know, in recent years, some of that's been um, getting away from arranged marriages, but I do know it still happens. And so, yeah. I just you know talk about the marriage in general, you know, yeah. how, how does that happen? How does that work? Is it something that's, sure. you know, is arranged marriages still more common than not arranged marriages or?
1: Sure. So, uh, you know, the reason behind arranged marriages is again, you know, like this kind of falls back to the answer that I was giving you earlier that in India we have this structure, family structure where mm-hmm. everyone lives together. So, when you are marrying someone, when a girl is marrying someone, she is married off to the boy's family and mm-hmm. she lives there. And so marriage is something that is that does not happen between two individuals. It happens between the families as well. Okay. So it's a very joint kind of a thing. So I think in that sense, I think that arranged marriage was something of the norm here because of the fact that you needed to see not only how compatible the bride and groom were, mm-hmm. but also how compatible the family members were with each other. And I think that yeah. yeah. I think that is why arranged marriage was really the norm here. But like, yeah, you know, like India is a developing country, we we do have love marriages and things like that. But you you still see arranged marriages, like um it's It's like, you know, you have both kinds of things. Right. You have arranged marriages also and love marriages. And it depends on, like, at this stage, we are a bit more open-minded. We we are more understanding of love, relationship, youth, and things like that. So people are opening up to the concept of love marriages, of the concept of, um, you know, live in relationships. Mm -hmm. It's um, still not really huge, especially live in relationships because you know, again, there's a lot of, um, you know, you, there's a lot of things, there are a lot of negative points that are kind of highlighted more than the positive points mm-hmm. when it comes to live in marriages. So that's something that people are slowly learning to accept, but, you know, it, it will still take a couple of years, I feel.
0: Right. And do you think that, yeah. that some of that influence is from globalization and having influence from, you know, some of the Western world where that that is what happens you know do you think some of that that western culture is is i don't want to say bleeding into but kind of um changing that structure a little bit
1: yeah i mean like you know that's uh, so we have this joke that you know like you are being affected by the western culture and Mm -hmm. things like that that happens a lot when you bring something new that's that's really common in the Western countries. Uh, But I do think that people are becoming open-minded, not only because of the Western culture, but also because they are more understanding and accepting of relationships Mm -hmm. in general. Uh, And, you know, like, how do I say this? So this is one thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, was that, India as a country, it's kind of a very adaptive country mm-hmm. and it's very, it's a country that takes in a lot of things and it adjusts itself according to that particular thing. So, you know, you have, you had British come here, so we had a right. lot of British influence in our world and, you you know, if you go down south, there's Portuguese influence, there's, there's a lot of influence from all over the world. We kind of take it all in yeah. and then just kind of adjusted according and apply, to what, yeah yeah it's just an apply kind of a thing so i think that's something that's really uh you know that's that could be a possible influence but i wouldn't mm-hmm. say that was the only influence like right. western culture was the only influence behind people becoming more accepting of live-in relationships love relationships and things like that was again you know you know it People were accepting of it, but they have become more ex- accepting right. of it in the 20th and the 21st century, I feel. Hmm.
0: That's interesting. So this is where we are going to end today's episode. Uh, the episode ran a little bit long, so I decided to take it into two separate weeks uh, so that you guys don't get overloaded. Um, I just want to say, remember to follow on all socials, Facebook at Cultropology and Instagram on Cultropology. And remember, people don't feel the smile on your face. It's a smile of our hearts that people feel. Have a good night, everyone.